Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast. I'm your host, Rita Joyan. And you know when you travel to a different country, you know when you travel to a developing country and it pulls at your heartstrings and you think to yourself, I wish I could do something. I wish I could make a difference. I wish I could do something that's long lasting. Well, my guest today has really done just that, which is why I'm really excited to have her. So my guest today is Liz Volpe. Is that correct, Liz? Correct. Beautiful. Well <laughs> She's the founder of Project Gen Z, which recruits leading entrepreneurs, Australian entrepreneurs, to travel around Australia and Cambodia to run Dare to Dream entrepreneurial workshops to the next generation. And it's been so remarkable that Dare to Dream Cambodia, it's in its third year, it's educated 2,000 children, raised $400,000, but just that's just the starting point. The best thing about it is that it's allowed kids to get a job and start their own businesses. I'm so excited to have you. Please welcome on board Liz Volpe. Welcome along. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's exciting because, you know, we all get up of a morning and think, you know, what's my contribution in this world? How is what, what I'm doing making a difference? And you went to Cambodia because, you, well, number one, why did you go to Cambodia? Uh, I actually went there by accident the first time. It was, um, it was a business trip and I found myself just spending one day at um, the incredible Geraldine Cox's organization called Sunrise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, not too sure if you know much about yeah. Sunrise, but they have, yeah, you know, all of these amazing kids, but they've come from the most horrendous backgrounds. Yeah. So I spent a few hours with these kids and I think that was probably the turning point that really made me rethink my life and what I was actually spending my time doing. Mm, absolutely. Okay, so you go to Cambodia, it was by accident. So kind of, where do I go? And then you land in Cambodia. Is that the accident? Pretty much. Yes, that's <laughs> oh, the accident. Yeah. <laughs> so you go to Sunrise, which is a, it's an orphanage, isn't it? Um, it's not really an orphanage anymore. It probably used to be, it was known as an orphanage, but it's a, it's a facility that um, helps kids in everything from education, lo- helps local communities, but mostly takes care of kids that don't have families. Okay. All right. And so you see the plight of these kids and you think, how can I help them? Yeah. And what happens? Yeah. So, I mean, I went back after spending time with these amazing kids, went back to um, Australia. And at the time I was running a marketing company and I'd been running it for about six or seven years at that stage. And I had my nice house and my nice car. And I kind of got back and I was like, you know what? It's not really about money for me anymore. I think as I was, when I was younger, it was around, you know, feeling successful and having money and having those nice things. And it really made me think, think, rethink my priorities. Um, But for around about three or four years, I woke up every single morning and the only way that I can describe this was having an itch that I could not scratch. And I really just wanted to find a way on how, you know, how could I get back there to do something? But honestly, like I've I'm not really that smart and I don't know stuff. The only thing I really know is how to run a business. <laughs> so That's pretty smart. One night, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was sat with my husband one night and I was going through a stage of business where I just felt really unmotivated. So I was sat on the couch and he said to me, Liz, what is that one thing that you talk about nonstop? And I was like, Cambodia. And he was like, right, you've got to make something happen. So I guess he was that, that person that really pushed me um, to, to commit to doing something. And that night on the couch, we had almost our little brain brainwave idea 
that we'd take what we what we know as entrepreneurs and we would put together this team of amazing success entrepreneurs that we knew mm. and together we'd go to Cambodia and somehow teach them how to do the same as us so that night I got on the phone it was like 10 o'clock at night and phoned all these amazing people like Andrew Morello and Cheryl Ty and Sarah Regal and basically told them this idea and they all said yes obviously and then I went to bed really late really excited and then I remember waking up the next morning and thinking oh my god I've actually got to do this. <laughs> How am I going to do this? <laughs> so I just had accountability. I just had to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. So you've, you've asked all these leading entrepreneurs to come with you to Cambodia and to teach them. Mm. So they all agree. Yeah. And so they all just pack up and they come with you. Now, is that what happens? Or they take um, We have quite a bit of time in between. So we did do things right. We designed a curriculum and we did a lot of, um, you know, speaking to Cambodia to learn a little bit more about the culture and the, the kids that we'd be dealing with. And so we put together the official Dare to Dream program. And in the meantime, we decided to do some fundraising um, as well for Sunrise. I think the first year we raised about $150,000 to take over there with us. Nice. Um, and then I think five months after we launched the idea, we, yeah, we went there on our first trip in 2015. Well, so is it, so they, these workshops are called Dare to Dream. Yes. I, I, love, I love the name. And so what's interesting for me was because I know um, when the previous regime in Cambodia, Cam, Cambodia was there, they took away all the books. They took away anyone that wore glasses because someone was educated. So right. they had zero, like a very tiny amount of education, right? The population, the populace itself. So the kids that you were teaching, to what extent were they able to understand and comprehend because the level of education is very, very low. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. You know, an entire generation, all the teachers, everyone were, were killed. Um, mm. So that was massive fear. I was like, how are we going to eat? Are these kids even going to get what we're talking about? Um, they were like 60% of the kids that didn't speak a word of English as well. Wow. We, what we did was we designed the program and we still do it this way where we actually run a day of workshops, which is more around entrepreneurs telling their story and, and teaching and kind of soft skills through stories using a translator. But then the real magic um, happens in our business challenge, which is practical. So even if they've kind of got a little bit of the information, they kind of understand it, we just throw them out of their comfort zone and make them launch a business. And they have to do that without any help from us. So they, they really learn through doing more than anything else. Wow, that's pretty exciting. So how long is this just a one day workshop? No, we do it over a week. Okay. So. The, the big apprentice challenge we do with Andrew Morello, who is the winner of the first ever Channel 9's Apprentice, what we do is we have around about 100 students, split them into teams, and each of them have a role within that team. So the, there's a CEO, a CFO, a sales team, um, and they each get a budget of 100 US dollars. So they have one day where we literally give them the budget in the morning, and they have to go out there, they have to find a product, negotiate for it, design a brand, a selling station, and then they actually um, compete in a two-hour sales challenge where they go out into the public and actually test their new sales skills. Oh, God. <laughs> wow, that's really putting them out of their comfort zone. Oh, it is. And, and you know what? It's incredible because they're so hungry to learn. Uh, their confidence goes from here to here. Wow. Really wow. Uh, and at the end of this day, we then go to a, a grand finale, which is a live pitch-off event where each pit each team, we count the money that they've actually profited and they pitch up against each other to be named as the winning team and the overall winner of the day. 
That's incredible. Okay, so this is really, really, because uh, I find this, because I've done workshops, I teach workshops, and what I find really amazing is that, because I was wondering how you got over the language barrier. Yeah. So is this like an, an online software that you use to translate what's, what you're saying to them? We don't have anything fancy. <laughs> we literally have a translator with us there and then from Sunrise, you know, a teacher that translates. And we use a lot of the older students as well as coaches. Okay. Um, so they can obviously, yeah, translate everything for us. And what are, the, what are the ages of the students that are learning from you? 14 to 25. Wow. Okay. So for four, from 14 to 25, they take these skills that you guys give them and their confidence rises because suddenly they didn't know what they were doing. And a week later, they have launched a product. They've tried to sell it, try to market it, try to get interest into it. So then what happens after that? So what do the students do? What's happening now with the students? Oh, it's been amazing. We see them... Just to let you know, as an example, the winning team last year from, um, from a budget of $100 profited $450 US in two hours. Wow. And the average, average Cambodian wage is about $30 a month. <gasps> um, the confidence and belief that they actually get that they can do something is absolutely phenomenal. So what we've seen since we've left, I mean, we ran our program for three years, but we've seen all, all of a sudden students become more engaged, understanding that they've got to learn English and why. Um, they all, we've had a 25% rise even in kids going on now to higher education, which is just unreal. Wow. And the skills now have given them confidence to go for different types of jobs. So they're earning 11% more than they were in the past. And, and we've got 10 entrepreneurs, 10 kids that actually now run their own business and are completely self-sufficient. Wow. And give me some examples, please, of the businesses that they run. What kind yeah. of... Um, a lot of them very much copy what we've trained them to do. And so as an example, the overall winner last year was a girl called um, Pooch. And I think she's 15. As an overall winner, she actually won a thousand US dollars to launch her own business. Wow. So she decided in her school holidays, because she is still at school, to um, put together a team and during the water festival, um, went out there to sell drinks. And she ended up employing 16 people. Whoa. I think something like five of them were paid employees and the rest were volunteers that just heard about what she was doing and wanting to learn the skills. And they did, they ran their little um, selling stall for two days and, and profited $150 in those two days as well. Wow. That's <laughs> it's really cool. Well, what's really amazing is yes, they've got the skills, but the wages in Cambodia are not even that high to facilitate that amount of profit. That's like, right. That's, yeah, that's phenomenal. So what I want to know now, what probably our listeners want to know, Liz, is like, so what are you specifically teaching them? I know you've got to teach them how to have a product, but what are the, like if someone's listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, you know, I'd like to start a side hustle or a gig, what would you recommend? What have you taught other students in Cambodia that they could adopt and try out for themselves? You know what? We teach business skills. We teach basic life and business skills to them. Honestly, the main focus of everything we do wherever we run these workshops is giving people the opportunity to dream for the first time in their lives. Like we all have these dreams that we go through life, but do we ever really commit to them? You know, do we ever really take action on them? So we allow them a space um, for a couple of hours to take away all of those limitations, you know, all of those self-doubts and self-judgment and everything we put on ourselves to actually go, if I could do anything, what would that be? And then looking at, right, first step, what is that first step? I'm just acting. Like forgetting about if you're going to fail, make mistakes, doesn't matter, just do it. And I think um, 
pushing the attitude and the entrepreneurial style mindset on someone is really the first step. But without, you know, every big company, every Uber, every Apple, it started with one person having a dream. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if you don't have a dream you know then you're never going to do anything anyway you'll procrastinate yeah yeah yep absolutely keep it simple <laughs> yeah, no i love that so you start off with first of all having a dream and the possibility of this coming to fruition mm -hmm. and so what are the next steps that you teach um really then just the basic steps of how to actually put to, together a business um you know we teach them the different type of roles and how to tap into your, the skill sets that you're really good at and using what you're good at and then how you can build a team around you to fulfill the rest of the skills that's needed to start a business. Um, so I'm an ex-marketer. That's what I used to do. So I believe that selling and marketing, you know, is the key to anything. You sell yourself, you sell a product, whatever it may be. So yeah. that is honestly a really big focus is getting people really confident in talking about themselves and what they're doing. Um, and then actually being able to confidently go out and tell people that, um, that message and sell. I love that. I that's the key. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I love it. So when you've educated 2000 kids now, is this like a social enterprise now? How is it so from a business standpoint? Is it like, how do you generate income? Is it social? Is it like how mm -hmm. what model work? Great question. Cause for a couple of years, I was just running this as a side thing on the side of running my other company's Zest. And then last year I was like, I've got to make this, this needs yeah. to turn. This, this needs to be proper. It's my passion. So last year we established as a, a social enterprise, but we're still run as an impact business. So the way we get our money now is by actually running these exact workshops in schools across Australia. So the schools. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yes. It's cool. So schools pay us to run our workshops and then the money that we get from the schools allows us to actually run our um, social impact trips to different disadvantaged communities. Oh, and that's how it's working. So are you... Do you, are you going to schools all around Australia or just a particular state or private schools or public? Or how? How's it all, all around Australia. And we've, we deal with all different types of schools. Um, in fact, we're even launching a new Indigenous program in August this year where we start to go into Indigenous schools in North Queensland, which is really cool. Wow, that's beautiful. And so when you're contacting schools, so for people that are listening, are you contacting the Department of Education? Are you contacting the schools directly with the speaking with the principal? How is that communication being, how's it happening? I'm going to be honest, I'm still working this out. No, I love that. No, I love that honesty. I love that honesty. Love it. We, we, we try everything. So, I mean, we'll, most of the time we'll get um, directly in contact with the schools. And a lot of it is word of mouth of, you know, like parents hear about our programs and, and, and get in touch with us. And so it's been really great to have that word of mouth because our, our school programs have been really successful. We've had 100% students recommend it. They just absolutely love it. Um, wow. And we've got, you know, we've got since last year, as an example, we ran two holiday boot camps with 45 students and we have five business owners under the age of 16 from those two holiday boot camps. Unreal. Wow. And so for obviously for school kids in Australia, it's from what ages are you starting to teach them from? We've actually done them as young as primary school age years. Now, um, oh. I'm English, so I don't get the school years over here, but from <laughs> really the ages of nine and 10 are the youngest that we've done. So nine and 10, and then you go up to year 12? Like, yeah. Oh, wonderful. That's, see, that's something, because I think you're also really building within them self-awareness. Mm. 
which is they're not going to get that from the curriculum at school. Oh, just, no. <laughs> I mean, the, the scary thing is we already know that the world of work is changing so much in Australia with automation and technology that there's this huge skills gap with soft skills and those are entrepreneurial skills. Mm. So we're really trying to bridge that gap as well from students leaving school and figuring out what they want to do um, that will enable them to actually keep up with how everything is changing. So. so I find this really interesting because when I was reading about you, Liz, I know you've started, you had a marketing agency. Is the marketing agency, does it still exist? No, I actually sold that last year. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> so you had the marketing agency, but also I think in parallel to the marketing agency, you, had, you were co-founder of the League of Extraordinary Women. Yes. And I remember that. Now, are you still involved with the League of Extraordinary Women? Yes, I am. And that's... A, also a huge passion of what I do. <laughs> oh, okay. So you've got these two passion projects happening. Yeah. Extraordinary Women, Project Gen Z. Now, how much time does it require to be able to, because, well, you had skills prior to mm. starting Gen X. What kind of skills did you need to be oh, able to make this was a success? So many. I mean, I look back at my kind of step between the marketing and then the League of Extraordinary Women and learning how to run events through them. And I've kind of like naturally progressed in this way. Um, but I've had to learn so many skills. But you know what? Um, it's really why I've concentrated on building this incredible movement of entrepreneurs around me that completely support and are very passionate about inspiring the next generation because they just help me with everything I need. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. Okay. I've got weaknesses, you know, so I, I really look for people that can advise me and, and help the movement continue growing. Okay. So when you've started um, the Project Z, Gen Z, that's a tongue twister for me, Project Gen <laughs> Z, when you've started that and these work, Dare to Dream workshops, which I, I absolutely love, the concept of and what you guys have produced, when you're going to school kids in Australia, what's, are you allowed to ask, because parents consent and all that, that's why I'm asking. Mm. Are they allowed to go and start something, a side hustle? Like, are they given permission by the school to do something like that? Or so what's the outcome of the whole thing in Australia? Um, I mean, really, we run our introductory program, which is, again, that first point of kids even thinking about entrepreneurship as a, as a potential pathway. Mm. Mm. and inspiring them around that and then giving them some basic skills and after that point schools will do all different things some schools have then taken their business ideas and actually implanted it into the curriculum and have actually helped them work on their business within school and some will do it completely outside of school and come to us for um, mentorship and coaching will continue to support their journey with their oh. parents and do you do it like per classroom or is it everyone's in the assembly hall and you're delivering the work we can do it all different, but our favourites are really, we'll take an entire year level. So, oh, yeah. yeah so we do it with like 100 to 150 students per session. And so it takes a week to do it with them as well? No, we usually, our most famous ones for schools are our one-day programmes. Okay, okay. One day. Well, that's fantastic. A full-day immersion. That's excellent. Yeah. That's yeah. excellent. Um, so here's my question to you. I, along the years when I've met people and they've got started entrepreneurial journeys, the one industry that they have shied away from is the education school. And the reason why that most people have said it to me is because, well, there's not a lot of money in versus going to corporate or going to the general market. Oh, yes. <laughs> what, is, what would your response be to that? 
is a really tough one because working with schools is so competitive, right? There's so many different programs and, um, you know, some schools have money, the private schools and a lot of schools, a lot of schools don't have any money at all. Um, I'm really passionate about this subject because sometimes we can't get into schools because they don't have money. Yeah. I'll try and find a way to um, get money from somewhere to go into disadvantaged schools because I think that actually those kids are the ones that need these schools more than anyone. Um, but the way that I look at the education system is that the curriculum absolutely lets our kids down right now. Mm -hmm. now we've got all of these incredible geniuses with potential to really change the world. And unless we actually put them in the right circumstances to get different education than this kind of like one size fits all education, like we're going to have problems in the future. Um, so in dealing with schools is really hard. Um, it takes time and do I like doing it? Probably not, but I believe that this education is so important to get out there. Um, I just try and look at different ways of getting money to be able to go into schools to, to do it. Okay. And when you say try and get the money for someone who's listening, how would they go about that? How, what would you recommend that they do? If the school says, I don't have money, I'd love to, but I just don't have the money. The school doesn't have the money. How would someone listening be able to get around? Can you offer any ideas around that? Good question. I mean, the really good thing that the government do is that there are some uh, government funding that schools can apply for, for these type of programs. So I definitely say, look into what you know the opportunities are. But the other thing that we can do is run as an example, some type of fundraiser. Um, we can even get these kids outside of school into our holiday boot camps as well. So there's lots of different ways for them to get this type of education. I find it remarkable, Liz, that you've gone from working with adults, working with a marketing agency, and, and coming into working with kids. Because it's, it's such a different client clientele, you can say clientele, kinds of different. Excuse me, I'm going to just walk with a laptop here. No, no, that's fine. It's such a different uh, kind of psychology that you're dealing with. Yes. And you, you find that working with children, working with kids or under the age of 25, it's a lot more easier because they're more receptive to the ideas. They're not kind of questioning you, but what about this and what about that? Because they don't have the life experience or the, uh, the big failures in life or, you know, the, the upsets in life to be able to deter what you're saying that adults do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's really great working with the age group because they're still open to really listening and they don't necessarily allow fear to get in their way too much. You know, they'll, they'll give things a shot. And that's why it's really important to actually get to kids at that type of an age group because um, we've got to present as many opportunities and pathways to young people before, you know, society kind of like blocks their head and they, they think that they have to follow a certain path. Yeah. Um, so it is really great working with, especially even from like year eight upwards, the, I think that you can see their mind ticking, you know, mm. maybe, you know what, maybe I could run my own business. Mm. And that's really exciting to see. Do you ever find that the principals or teachers ever try and censor what you're saying? Like what you're saying is that there is another path other than being schooled. Mm. You, have you ever had any opposition to that from the school? Like don't tell them that kind of stuff. It's not what we want to teach them. I mean, we definitely don't push the whole idea of, you know, you don't need to go to university or anything like that. But what we do concentrate on is that every single one of us has a different journey and we've got to be able to tap into what our passions are and not necessarily follow what someone else wants us to do. Mm. I know for myself, I follow, I went to uni purely because my dad wanted me to go to uni. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, it was a waste of time and money and got me in debt. 
Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I second that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, for some professions, if you if I wanted to be a doctor, then absolutely, university is extremely important. But it's about at a young age giving students the opportunity to investigate what they should do rather than what someone else wants them to do. Okay. All right. And so, all right. Fantastic. So it's a day workshop, dare to dream. What's next for you, Liz? I mean, you've done some pretty extraordinary things, the League of Extraordinary Women, having your own agency, Project Gen Z, going to Cambodia, teaching kids that would never have had the opportunity to start their own businesses and get jobs. What's next for you? Are you happy where you are now? Oh, no, I'm never happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always some big dream that I'm kind of like um, building. And um, honestly, I really would like to see, and I'll be pushing to turn Project Gen Z into a, a global organization. I really want to see all different kids have the opportunity to get this type of education and to create impact. Um, from what we've seen in Cambodia, the results really inspire me to, to get this into different countries. Um, and at the same time of that, on the opposite side of spectrum, the really incredible thing that I've seen is that there actually are so many entrepreneurs out there that are willing to give back. They've just never found a way to do it. Mm. So what I'd really like to do is to build, you know, one of the biggest movements in the world, in Australia, that are actually these incredible entrepreneurs that want to go out there and give back and be involved in coming into schools with us and inspiring and educating the next generation. So if someone wanted to go into schools and teach something or do something, do you think it's sustainable to make a full-time income from that? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, look, some people do, um, but I think it, it should be one, uh, one pathway in terms of going out there and speaking. Um, but I would definitely say we look for, for people really that have that passion to even volunteer their time to, you know, mentor or coach or, or inspire kids. Okay. 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 So it's it's really from the heart, passion that you know, may not be made. So would you recommend that? I know for your situation, you have another business on the side, but for someone else, would they have to have a full time job or another side hustle to sustain and survive? Uh, really, day to day. There's so many different ways to do everything. So, you know, I'm a big believer that you can make anything work if you want it enough. Mm. Um, but in terms of sustaining it, um, I've seen lots of people do it in lots of different ways. And I think that there's enough kind of funding and really great people out there that are willing to back any type of idea or um, project. So I always think just give things a go. Okay. And so if someone's listening right now, Liz, and they said, I'd love for you to come to so-and-so school or their kid's school, how would they go and touch to get their principal or someone to get you to come out to their school? Yeah, I mean, just really contact us through the website, which is projectgenz.com.au. And um, yeah, we just get back to them straight away and see if we can make it happen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Liz, thank you so, so much for your time. I really appreciate the fact that you've just been honest about the fact that, you know, it's... It's a rough road in that it's not a sustainable income, but it's a very rewarding one and that you do need to do something on the side. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's, and the work that you're doing to just with the indigenous community that's coming up with the kids in Cambodia, I think that's truly a testament to giving back of the, of the journey that you've had. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. That was really great. Thank you. Thank you guys. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Unbox Your Gift. Mm -hmm.